Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. We welcome you to Bite Into It, where we talk technology, the internet, games, uh, amazing art installations that uh, we spend a lot of time talking about, all kinds of stuff. Um, tonight, behind the mics, we have Paul Callahan. Paul, how are you? Hey, Warren. Hey. How are you doing? Doing really well. Have you had a, a fair week in technology? Has it been your friend at all? Uh, it's, it's continued uh, Zoom and Teams meetings, so I'm kind of looking forward to like being able to at least meet some people in a park and not not have a screen but i assume we'll all still be so stressed we'll still be staring at our phones trying to avoid eye contact as well so yeah nice do you do the do you do the airpod phone call thing i'm like one of the last people on the planet to not um talk to people with my airpods in no i'll, I'll just use the laptop speaker because i because i don't have airpods yeah not that cool sadly uh well i don't have we can be uncool together that's good <laughs> um Ro, Ro Murray, how are you? Have you had a, a good weekend tech? Uh, good evening. Um, look, it's been pretty good, but it's been a little bit more analog than technical. I've been, I've dusted off the motorbike and, you know, sent a few spiders on their way. <laughs> Lord, it was dusty under that cover, but no, it's actually been nice with a bit of nice weather. Get out on the road a little bit and trying to get away from the screen. How about yourself, Warren? Well, I have to ask the motorcycles. I have to ask: Do you have you been tempted to kind of mod them in any way? You know how the uh, the Honda Goldwings have the beautiful stereos with like the in helmet <laughs> speakers and stuff like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, actually, I I rented one of those in the United States a couple of years ago, and it it basically had a built-in ghetto blaster on the front of it, and. I've got to say, I felt like a massive flog the whole time and I just refused to switch it on after a while. But um, my bike is quite modified. It's um, got extra big engine stuff and extra big pipe stuff, so it's very noisy and very fast. Oh, nice. Mm. That's how they should be. Exactly, yes. I'm, I'm not sad about any of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, I've been okay tech-wise. I think um, a bit of a sketchy internet connection, I... I had one of those cabling situations where I'm not sure if you've seen the people who are really into cable ties in their, you know, um, sort of um, uh, server room kind of um, Ooh, yeah. you know, brag shots. But, yeah, I, I did the opposite of that, which was all of my cables and all of my jank in the corner. I was stuffed into a cardboard box and cut little holes for, like, the cords to kind of poke into. So <laughs> all, all my stuff is in there and it basically just packed it in and Telstra has just been messaging me constantly saying something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. Um, so yeah, I don't care. It looks nice and neat. <laughs> <laughs> Might have throttled and, yourself uh, completely, but it looks nice. <laughs> it looks nice. And the dogs and cats aren't dead because they love a cable to chew on. Oh. So, um, anyway, um, excited for the show tonight. Um, most of us haven't been to the movies in, uh, in quite a while. Um, and probably not to the beautiful Capitol Theatre. I, I think, um, I remember seeing Flight of the Navigator at the Capitol when I was a little kid and thinking, wow, this is some kind of theatre, better than the, the Hoyts or the Village or what have you. But um, a Melbourne filmmaker is uh, getting up an interesting project with an 80,000 contribution to um, uh, an XR project. And Ling Yang will join us in the show, uh, on the show uh, in a few minutes to talk about that, which sounds fun. 
And uh, if you haven't tried your hand at podcasting during lockdown, um, you probably never will. What have you been doing? Uh, except staring at the ceiling like most of us. Um, <laughs> that's okay. There is a, a bit of craft to it. And we're going to have a chat later with uh, Corey Marie Grenin, who's been um, working on a new book on podcasting, which is uh, imminent, uh, which is exciting. Um, I, I think sound quality is something that everyone at Triple R likes to argue about. So it's good that somebody's actually written a book on it, which is great. So Keen to learn a few things uh, a bit later in the show uh, from Corey Marie. But um, before then, um, there's heaps of news and stuff to talk about. Um, one that uh, we did want to point out, uh, after a lot of uh, conversation and leaks and rumours and chat, um, Google has announced um, Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro with some interesting features. Um, do, you, do you use Google Translate often either of you two do you have to kind of figure out something or like have a conversation going on in spanish or something like that you just kind of rarely i'm a bit sus on it <laughs> that's just oh. you warren it's just me. Things. I, yeah, I do the you know do you speak any french and i do it oh, yeah, just you know <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll get out the google translate and try to break it as fast as i can um and then yeah it doesn't take long i'm scared to trust it because i make the duolingo bird cry often so <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so this one's got, uh, yeah, the, the, the Pixel 6 has got um, a live translate feature um, working across, not voice translate, I believe, but for um, a few messenger uh, apps, um, live caption for audio, audio translating. So um, that's kind of cool. And a, um, I guess a new dictation feature called uh, assistant voice typing um, with, with emojis, which is still kind of important these days. Um, so that's, that's cool. I feel like um, if you're on different platforms, if you're on uh, Android or, or iOS, you don't get a lot of new features with your, your phone updates. It's just design or performance or what have you. So, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like um, voice assistants have been stagnating a little bit. And kind of like XR and VR, uh, it's always going to be the year of voice. And um, maybe it's like the Gantner hype cycle where it's kind of like um, overestimated in the short term, underestimated in the long term. These things are, are just, you know, very practical. And from like a, from an accessibility point of view, some of this stuff is great as well. Like, you know, um, um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of, I guess, gadget news today. And Paul, you're kind of keeping an eye on some of the Apple stuff, which is interesting. Yeah, big Apple uh, announcements this uh, this past week. Um, uh, Apple did a big Unleashed event. Uh, Tim Apple was there standing in a field of grass, uh, not announcing the Apple lawnmower, um, sadly, which is a joke that I have stolen from Twitter. Thank you to whoever posted that. Um, but a whole, a whole bunch of new hardware. Uh, so the new M1 Pro chips uh, and M1 Max chips uh, were the first chips that were designed for the Mac. And so they've released some new MacBook Pros. Um, in a bit of a turnaround for Apple, they have put ports back on these devices. Yes. Um, so there's now an HDMI port. Uh, there's some Thunderbolt ports. They've also gotten rid of the touch bar, which was kind of a touch-sensitive little screen that ran along the, the top okay. of the keyboard. They have put function keys back in. So we are traveling back in time, people. Um, my, my current please. MacBook, the one that I'm talking to you through right now, has one USB-C port. <laughs> it's ridiculous. How many more do you need? How many more do you need, Warren? Um, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have like three adapter banks hanging out at the back of my MacBook Pro so that I can run all of my yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's insane. Absolutely insane. So similarly to the... Um, 
the previous announcements where they launched the kind of the smaller Macs uh, and the MacBook Airs, they're touting the performance of these new chips. Um, so the M1 Pro is like a 10 core CPU, um, up to 70% faster CPU performance than the M1 uh, and up to two times faster GPU performance, which is pretty significant. Um, and then the Macs, uh, they're saying that that's the world's most powerful chip for a Pro notebook, um, whatever that vagueness means. Um, but it's double the GPU um, with up to 32 cores, um, which is around four times faster. So big, big deal if you're part of that uh, Mac ecosystem. Um, also announced uh, new AirPods, not AirPods Pro, just regular AirPods. Um, they've got spatial audio in them. Uh, new HomePods, if anyone actually owns a HomePod uh, or a HomePod Mini, um, you can now get uh, a coloured one. Uh, it's just, it's just Tim, basically, just Tim. Yeah, just Tim. <laughs> um, so you can get them in a blue, a yellow, or some sort of orangey color um, to match your decor. Um, lots of software updates as well. Um, probably most notably, um, the new version of macOS, speaking of software updates, um, is coming out on Monday. It is a little bit lightweight. It looks like the big kind of feature that they're touting on the, on the front page is like, is FaceTime and having a whole bunch of FaceTime updates. So obviously, just as we're coming out of the pandemic, is the perfect time to be launching those sorts of features. No one's ever going to want to use it again. <laughs> that's ever going to want to use it ever again. Uh, for me, the most interesting thing is sort of them doubling down on their privacy features. Um, so there's mail privacy protection built in the mail, but also their iCloud Plus, um, which has a, a kind of a relay feature, um, which is a kind of a, an iCloud kind of like VPN light, um, but also a feature that will generate unique random email addresses for when you sign up for things so you don't have to keep giving out your email address. Um, and then in a sort of a new, a little bit of a new step for them, some features that will only work on the Apple Silicon Macs as well. So we're already starting to see that, that gap between people who've got the old kind of Intel Macs um, with the new M1 Macs. Um, and just to finish up on Apple News uh, from the announcements, probably the weirdest piece of news is a new uh, Apple Music subscription, which is cheaper, but you can only use via Siri. Um, so it's $5.99 uh, in the US per month. Um, but yeah, voice control only, which seems like, as, as I heard it described, like some project managers just had to scramble for something at the end of the day to figure out what to figure out an extra announcement. And this is what they've come up with. <laughs> DJ feature, like you can't see your collection. You're just like, hey, what was that banger from like that time we went away last year and we're all dancing? Do you have that one? <laughs> yeah, but but like, yeah, just it's it's a really interesting decision. And I, you know, like you like to assume that people in companies are making strategic decisions, and you kind of go, I don't I don't know what this does. You, you like to think so, but you know, there are no <laughs> guarantees in life. So. Oh, but speaking of um, big change, um, Facebook is actually planning to rebrand the company with a new name just a few hours ago. The Verge reported that this name change was afoot for Facebook, with Zuckerberg especially expected to officially announce their plans on the 28th of October. So rumour has it is that the tech giant's ambition is now to be known for more than social media and, of course, all of the ills that Facebook are quite deeply entwined you know, with. 
um, and reflect its new focus on building, you know, the metaverse, aka more AR and VR. And obviously, there's there's going to be a lot more said about that um, on the 28th. But uh, Twitter's already lit up like a dumpster fire in terms of this. There's no, um, you know, putting a dress on the piglet and suddenly calling her, you know, Sally. Um, it's it's a. I think you know, Facebook's got a massive ask in front of itself to transform public opinion in general. Um, I'd be very curious to hear what you guys think about it, though. I just love the idea of more virtual reality conference rooms like that. That's what made Like, mm. if they're rebranded, I'll totally be on board. More on board, in fact, mm, I think. Okay, yeah. New coat of paint on the, on the AR <laughs> conference rooms. I'm there. I'm there. Sign me up. Jack me into the Matrix. I love it. <laughs> um, I think, um, I'd love to... I mean, I'm really interested in the um, the visuals of it. I was just thinking of that um, uh, the Rob Sitch production, the uh, the political show, where they did the rebrand. It looked like uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, just the kind of the the prism. Um, but um, oh, Dark Side of the Moon. Sorry, sorry, I'm not a Floyd fan. Um, I, I think uh, I, it makes sense that they, they are more than social media now, even though everyone knows you know, Facebook for, for social media. It's similar to what Google went through with, you know, Umbrella um, mm. uh, um, a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, getting getting lots of muck thrown at you and, and a lot of that muck landing is a good time to kind of say, well, you know, maybe we should express ourselves differently. Mm. <laughs> Be interesting yeah. to see, yeah, be very interesting to see what they actually plan on announcing because even their past conversations around the metaverse, it's coming, has been quite deliberately vague as well. So it will be one to watch. Um, another very quick note from uh, social media world is that Instagram is finally letting you post from your desktop. Um, this feature will launch globally later this week, so you should be seeing it pop up in your apps pretty soon. Um, and you will be able to post photos and videos through a browser rather than relying on the phone app. Um, obviously, it's all part of bigger moves to compete with TikTok. Um, and they're also rolling it out with extra functionality with things like music in reels, um, the ability to do fundraiser stuff. Um, and the ability to collaborate in stories and more. And, and the collaboration in stories is a very interesting one. It's um, not unlike the TikTok creator stuff, making it easier for paid partnership content and all that kind of palaver. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking it'll be a lot easier for creatives and artists who spend absolute gazonking hours on really cool digital art and other such assets, and it's just going to be much easier for them to share it with the world on Insta if that's their poison of choice. And Warren, you've got things to say about red flags. Red flags, yeah. This this started coming through earlier in the week. Um, I, I'm not sure if I was kind of onto it very quickly at all, but um, yeah, the red flags Twitter meme. Um, you may have seen it if, if you are a user. I'm just popping up and people calling out stuff that that is a red flag. But um, I did have a laugh at this one where uh, Jake Gillen all popped up and said his entire film career was a red flag. If you kind of count back and look at all the films that he's been in. Um, and yeah, I mean, I only saw Donnie Darko, uh, um, you know, recently. Um, just one of those ones I've never gotten around to. But all of his other kind of military roles and so forth. But I don't know. What 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 would you consider to be a red flag? And if you had to tweet something out right now, Paul and Roe, what's <laughs> a red flag for you? Maybe relative to what you do during the day. <laughs> that, that is a leading question. I've ever heard that, Warren. I'll, I'll give you a red flag. I'll give you a red flag. There's a small budget this time, but it's going to lead to bigger things down the track for sure. 
Oh, man. Um, Sounds like every freelancer's life. (laughs) (laughs) I will say uh, my biggest red flag has actually been the lack of accessibility um, for the people who um, use uh, reader assistance on Twitter because they're getting, um, you know, the the readout of the tweets and then red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, and then you scroll a bit further down the timeline and it's like, oh, dear, a 4 a.m. McDonald's drive-thru, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. So it's probably not been very fun for people that use the Twitter accessibility features. (laughs) Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. We are now joined uh, by phone... uh by Ling Ang, who is a Melbourne filmmaker and uh, I guess um, uh, interested Melbourneian. Um, we're actually excited to uh, announce, um, I guess it's coming out tonight, tomorrow, um, that MIF are uh, doing a, a great little piece of work um, over the coming months, uh, supported by a, a contribution by Ling of $80,000 towards a brief for extended reality, which I guess is a, an umbrella term for VR and um, uh, AR and, and I, I guess a, a lot of the emerging mediums. Uh, Ling is on the phone and joins us now. Um, how are you doing, Ling? Hi. Thank you for having me. No trouble at all. Uh, firstly, um, well done for being such a, a, a staunch Melbourneian and um, I guess uh, invested in our in our cultural fabric, and I'm going to put you on the spot right away. If you had to respond to your own brief, as you are a filmmaker and a, you know, a documentary filmmaker, give, give me your first ideas, top line. Like, what are you making? What are you doing? Well, I mean, already it's kind of the opportunity to reflect back on the history that was presented to us, but, you know, I mean, instead of cutting up uh, the visual scenes of the films that we have experienced in the past through the festival, I could reimagine it through different emotional orbs or lights and things that we could experience in virtual reality of haptics and, you know, that could translate into all kinds of emotional responses. Mm. Have you, um, in, in your journey as a filmmaker, have you had many opportunities to, to work in that space or, or have you been more... Um more sort of film-based work, uh, as we know? I've been a documentary filmmaker uh, for most of the last 10 years and then been working as a producer over the last uh, three years or so. Um, But because of the pandemic especially, I've been looking at VR uh, and AR as platforms to explore um, my continuous filmmaking, um, if not any kinds of artistic expression um vr was always kind of gaming as well as ar um but now kind of understanding especially in the heat of lockdown restrictions um this is a way for me to continue to tell stories as well as others yeah have you have you seen a lot more stuff uh, in this space coming out so over the past year or so around the world I, i guess we've all had to be yeah, even for creative people, even more creative in terms of not having, you know, access access to um, sets and production and you know high production values. What, what's been inspiring you around the world in this uh, exercise space in the past year? Well, it mostly came from firstly the virtual production space, where I was asked to participate in a number of productions that were surrounding 
virtual production. Um, and then from there, you know, kind of exploring that it was powered by some of these sets powered by Unreal Engine. Um, and at that point, you know, I was working with a number of 3D artists and learning how they navigate the software, software that I would most commonly see at the start of many games I've played and now understanding, wow, okay, even some of the shows I love, like The Mandalorian, are producing environments entirely built with it. Uh, but then from there, I'm also studying real-time 3D now and virtual production so that when I'm stuck in lockdown, I can continue to tell stories I've been really curious about, um, you know, that Warren, you asked an absolute doozy of a question. Lockdowns obviously had such a massive impact on everyone's creativity and productivity. And um, I was kind of wondering, um, do you feel that the barriers to entry like for creatives interested in moving into this, um, this different field, this, you know, 3D, you know, fabulous VR, um, you know, XR place, do you think that the barriers to entry have come down and it's gotten a little bit more accessible in recent times? Yeah, I mean, because this technology has been around for, you know, over a decade or so. Um, But because of the pandemic, it's really shifted our focus into, you know, kind of utilising it. Um, And so there is a plethora of people experimenting with it, um, even if they don't have complete understanding of the development or the coding, you know, they're just creating all kinds of abstract and surreal art in there. Um, But, you know, like, I think one of my favorite things is to realize is that if you've really, you know, kind of ingested the world around you, have taken notice as to how the wind blows through trees and shadows move, it really does speak true uh, when you are creating these environments in the virtual world. Yeah, definitely. I saw a really fantastic um, piece of art uh, today that popped up on one of my social channels and um, it was a really fantastic sort of, um, you know, mushroom on a log kind of in a forest, Um, but almost no one realised that it was art. They absolutely thought it was photography and it was just incredible how good it was. Mm. Amazing to look at. For sure. And yeah, yeah, I mean, the more people that kind of enter this universe to keep creating, it's the more almost competition to keep pushing our standards, really. And I think that's why maybe also over the last two years, we are seeing these incredible pieces of storytelling. Um, I I mean, you know, we're always kind of trying to recreate um, the feelings we experience in our day-to-day life. How do you translate that onto screen? How do you translate that into a simulated world? And um, I mean, that's a storyteller or an artist kind of job um, to figure that out. Do, do you think there's um, a growing appetite for um, experiences that are sort of uh, narrative driven? Like, I guess if we've all been sort of playing great games, and the one I was just thinking of that's probably been my widest ranging experience recently was Breath of the Wild, which is a few years old now, and you can just go and go out and have a, you can go out and ride ponies and, you know, sit in streams and pick flowers and stuff like that. Um, do you think we're far away from what we consider, you know, film, film experiences where people are, are happy just to explore and do that rather than be told a story? Mm, 
I mean, you know, there's literally a free... If anyone kind of has the opportunity to access a VR headset, even from their desktop, you know, you can access applications like VR Chat, which is free, and it, it may not be to the ultimate standard of Breath of the Wild, which I also love, um, but it's definitely getting there and definitely creating that same feeling where it feels like I'm in an expansive open world and, you know, going through someone's dreams and into spaces I could never imagine, um, even to the most realistic living room of your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I guess in terms of uh, uh, sort of practical things for people out there who do work in this space and would like to give it a try, um, how do people get involved in terms of accessing this, um, this brief and this commission and, and working with it? What's the, the practical stuff? It's open to everyone um, from artists. We're also really encouraging you know, people heavily deep in you know, the XR community because I think it's definitely an opportunity um, to kind of show, you know, these technological advancements of how we could potentially um, continue to tell stories um, also through this, um, but also how we could potentially advance stories um, and create more perspectives. And um, should, can, they, can people find out about it through the MIF website? Is that where they yes. would go and learn yes. about it from, from this yes. conference? Or? Yes, yes. Terrific. Well, well, we can tweet out um, a couple of links after the show from our Bite Into It Twitter account and let people know where they can find out a little bit more. Yeah, it'll be announced from tomorrow, so um, it'll definitely be on the MIS website. Awesome. Lingang, thanks uh, so much for, um, I guess, making this happen and for, uh, I guess, encouraging myth um, into more diverse spaces and, and more interesting uh, storytelling. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how it uh, rolls next year and, and what comes out of it. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Triple R. Um, and joining us uh, for a second interview this evening um, is audio engineer and podcast producer Corey Marie Green, um, who understands the power of storytelling. And in her new book, The Podcaster's Audio Handbook, she's embedded detective knowledge essential to podcast production within her experiences in radio, broadcast, and podcasting industries and beyond. Um, podcasters can join her on a journey in which they will learn the audio engineering basics required to masterfully tell their own stories through the medium of podcasting. Cora Marie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I really oh. appreciate it. Um, so, so the first question, obviously, is is uh, what prompted you to, to write this book? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I felt like... You know, there was a bit of a dearth of uh, accessible audio engineering materials out there for podcasters. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of clients who sort of come in and, uh, you know, they just feel like a little bit confused about all the re resources that are out there and available on the internet. But, you know, they they need something where um, all the information's together and all the sort of most relevant information <laughs> is in one space. And then I guess the other thing is that often I have clients who tell me um, that they're not technical, which I think is really interesting because when you sit down and explain to them the technical side of podcasting, then um, they, you know, 
they can get the hang of it pretty easily. But, um, yeah, the, I wrote the book the way I wrote it because I felt like maybe people who who maybe see themselves as creative um, might feel like they don't belong in that technical world. And I wanted to make a resource that would reach out to people like that. So when you start sort of talking about... Um some of these technical issues like what sort of what sort of topics does the book cover well um the book's got a real focus recording sorry Was sorry it, go okay, ahead sorry. we just had a little bit of an echo there <laughs> oh good uh, well the book's got a real focus on the recording side of podcasting so um it works for the principle that it's uh, easier and effective to make a good recording than to fix bad recording. So most of the book is about um, recording, and I cover recording inside, uh, recording at home, recording outside, and so um, recording remotely. So I'm on And then I also have a look at um, editing in terms of, oh, just some basics of how to. Um, and um, kind of turn it into the best story that you can make it. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much what it covers. I'm, I'm curious to know, with the, the people who say they're not very technical, what are the core skills if you wanted to get a great-sounding podcast or um, I, I guess any kind of um, recording output, what are the three things that you'd recommend people do? For, a, for kind of like beginner to intermediate level production standards? Well, this is a bit boring, but um, a basic understanding of the equipment is quite important. Um, and then after that, I would say microphone technique. So that's um, basically how you use a microphone. I make a whole chapter on that. Um, and then, yeah... Let's see, number three. What would be number three? <laughs> um, there's a chapter on file formats and settings, which is something that I see a lot of podcasters get wrong. So that's sort of the difference between an MP3 and a WAV file, um, compressed and uncompressed audio and um, stereo and mono and that, that sort of thing. So I think getting your head around those kind of audio basics will um, really help you make a good recording. For sure. So obviously with so much of the world being on lockdown, we have seen a you know huge surge in um, podcasts and people deciding to pick up the mic and go for it. And, yeah. um, you know, getting your pause on a Shure SM7B microphone was an incredibly difficult task for a while there, um, thanks to Joe Rogan and his... <laughs> Massive podcast and stuff. Um, do you think that the barriers to entry have come down a little bit over the last 12 months for decent quality gear that people can just get their paws on? Well, yes and no. Um, I think with podcasting, there's an issue where there's a lot of gear that's aimed towards podcasters that actually good. Mm. Totally get that, Yeah. <laughs> Kind of awkward, and there's some pretty like medium level gear that does a pretty good job, like your basic um, vocal dynamic microphone uh, plugged into an audio interface. Probably go pretty good on that. Uh, 
Mm. If you can get your hands on an SM7B, um, good luck to you. And then there's another issue whereby there's been a huge push on audio equipment during the pandemic. Everyone's working from home. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. making a bloody podcast too. <laughs> it's definitely gotten hairy getting a whole lot of, you know, webcam and swing arm and, you know, other other bits and pieces, absolutely. Oh, God, yeah. And there's the um, the, the great um, hip shortage as well. One of, one of my neighbours works at Tech and he said that um, they can't release the newest versions of the podcast because they can't get chips. Oh, jeez. Gosh. <laughs> And what, what are some of the other, um, uh, I guess, basics like, um, you know, Rose in the studio at the moment, she's got uh, the kind of panel in front of her and so forth. What what, what else do you need? Do you need some basic sound editing software? Um, what, what would you recommend? Well, if you're just starting out for podcasting, um, I recommend something easy and free such as um, Audacity or Cool Edit. Um, if you've got a a budget for podcasting, I reckon put most of that towards the recording stage because, um, as I said earlier, it's, it's easier to sort of make a good recording than to fix a bad recording. And um, I put, yeah, less of your um, efforts towards the editing stage. Um, there is an audio editing program called Reaper um, that's about oh, 60-ish dollars. That's pretty good. Um, and that'll, that, you know... Bit of a step up from your audacity and cool edits, and um, gives you just about everything that you would expect from a modern audio editing um, software. And then I guess, um, yeah, in terms of editing, a lot of people sort of go go into it. You know, they've they've gone and they've bought this cheap mic, and then they spend a lot of time trying to repair the audio, mm. and all of that gets so complicated, like. You know, I'm an audio engineer, I went to audio engineering school and I learned how to do all that stuff. And you can do it, but there's all, you know, there's a pretty hard limit on how effective um, any of that is. And it's, you know, it, it's really, it's really quite difficult and complicated. You have to, not just what sort of um, processed, processes to use on the audio, but you have to know like what order to put them in and um, how to use them subtly and so forth. Um, how, to, how to listen to the audio. Um, so that you can diagnose the issues. Yeah, absolutely. So guess, Sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, if you're starting out, you know, the best thing that you can do for yourself is to buy a decent mic. Yeah, it's that age-old thing. I've spent a huge chunk of my career in advertising and, you know, we used to always joke, I can just Photoshop it later, just Photoshop it later. <laughs> it's like, no, really, there's a whole lot to be said for just getting it as best you possibly can in the first place <laughs> so that you can focus on the creative, you know, the creative output and a really fabulous edit rather than trying to patch a screech somewhere. So, um, well, I guess that brings me to my next question, which is um, there's, you know, there's obviously like from a technical standpoint from a gear standpoint obviously your book will you know cover off tons of it there's youtubes there's whole podcasts devoted to making podcasts but there's also that whole creative angle what are you going to talk about people you know what the the content and the creative decisions have you noticed a real shift in the kind of creative um podcasts that people are putting out in the world um particularly over the last six or 12 months has there been much of a shift uh yeah absolutely um, it's a really exciting time to get into podcasts. So, I mean, we're all radio people here, um, 
and you know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I've been out for a bit, and the radio play had all but died out, and and podcasting has popped it back, which is so exciting. Have you, have any of you listened to any good radio plays lately, or podcasts? <laughs> Yeah, Revolution's podcast is amazing. Ah, Well, I mean, they're doing all sorts of really cool stuff. And people are getting really experimental with um, what they're doing with the audio as well with these um, fiction podcasts. There's a really good one I listened to lately on the BBC, which was um, every episode... uh, So it was called Forest 404. Oh, cool. Science, uh, science fiction story set in the future, and every episode explored a theme around um, around what might happen in the future, essentially. And um, and then accompanying the episode was also forests, um, which are really beautiful and were from the BBC archive, and then also a um, non-fiction work about the scientific basis. Of, of every episode and it was really innovative storytelling because you, you know you just wouldn't find anything like that on TV right? where like a story has three parts like people are just you know kind of go bomb or whatever I did to have it's a yeah it's and, a, sorry go on well one of the cool things about podcasts posted something like video are you cast of people within a certain geographic area but then once you're on the internet you can find the sort of seven other people on the world that you know like very your interest and form a little community and and make a podcast and you know maybe there's 20 people in the world who like whatever it is that you love and yeah you can really go out there and experiment and find an audience and it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like the old internet in a sense. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say the old internet? Like Ex- that. Expand on it for our listeners at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when the internet first came out, it felt like this tool that people were going to use to to reach people in other parts of the uh, world and. I don't know, connect with them and, and discuss ideas and, and so forth. And, and I still get a little bit of a vibe from that from podcast. I know what you mean. Um, Corey, if people want to find this book, um, I know it's kind of going through the sort of production process at the moment and I'm uh, having a big smile looking at the illustrations in the, the PDF at the moment. How, how far away is it? Where are they going to be able to get it? Uh, well... The book's coming out through a company in the United States called A-Press, and they're a rather large company, so you're going to be able to get it at, like, all of the major bookstores, which is kind of cool. And it's going to come out on the 1st or 2nd of November. Um, yeah, depending how quickly we get through the proofs. <laughs> but, yeah, so just um, you can order it straight from A-Press. You can pre-order it now if you like. Um, or you can just get it from any of the... The major bookery. Nice. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Very exciting time for you. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. No trouble. We've been talking to Corey Marie Green, uh, who is an audio engineer and uh, has a book uh, coming out uh, very soon, uh, Audio Engineer's Handbook. 
You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Um, and joining us tonight is myself, Ro Murray, Paul Callahan, and Warren, who's been waving his cat at us over the <laughs> Skype. <laughs> Uh, a few things hanging around. Uh, mobile mess, Paul. Um, what, what do you know about this one? Uh, so we're now able to leave the house so we can go uh, to our events and opportunities. So mobile mess uh, is an event at Abbotsford Convent uh, on Sunday, November 28th. Um, and it's a chance for young people who are aged 8 to 12 years, along with their parent and guardian, to experience the magic of electronic sound creation uh, and a fun hands-on workshop. Um, and if you head along, you'll investigate the science of sound through a bunch of interactive experiments uh, and make your own beats while you learn the basis of synthesis. Um, and that's Sunday, November 28th of this year uh, at 10 a.m., 12 p.m. and 2 p.m. Um, and you can find them at the community and linen rooms uh, in Abbotsford Convent. And the benefit of that is you also get to go and play with the little goats and um, <laughs> and stuff down there who would really appreciate some Goats stuff. and technology. Who could ask for anything more? Exactly. Down on a farm. Speaking about um, uh, appropriate or inappropriate uses of, of technology, um, there was only it was only a matter of time before this happened. I do remember the um, uh, Boston Dynamics um, uh, robot dogs coming out a few years ago, going, uh, "We know where this is going," and it has landed <laughs> there. Robot dogs now filming robot guns. Um, I saw this pop up maybe uh, a week or so ago. Um, yeah, in a dystopian turn of events, robot dogs are now entrusted to carry guns. At the Association of the US Army's annual conference last week, Ghost Robotics unveiled its Vision 60 quadrupedal robot, uh, which wielded a custom gun atop its already eerie figure. Um, you've probably saw, seen footage of these dogs uh, prancing across the internet uh, in Central Park or over mountain ranges and through snow. Um, the, the Ghost Robotics Vision 60, uh, or Quadrupedal Unmanned Ground Vehicle, or QUGV, at about knee height, moves at about four and a half feet per second and can carry uh, payloads of up to 15 kilos, so, you know, a fairly well-stacked gun, I would imagine. Um, and the thing that's kind of really, uh, you know, stuff of nightmares is um, you just can't stop these things. Um, it can be submerged 1.5 metres underwater, it can go through swamps, it can cross snow and ice, uh, and when it gets knocked over, it just keeps getting back up. So, yeah, um, look forward to Terminator 5. <laughs> oh, yeah. Q, Q, QUGV. Skynet is rising all over the shop. I mean, trashing these robot dogs is one of my favourite hobbies on this show because, I mean, there's been so much work done by, you know, the Boston guys and whatever to make them look a bit benign and friendly. And isn't it cute? You're taking your big stupid robot dog for a lovely stroll through the woodlands. But, the, you know, the reality is, is they were, they've been deployed in a number of different countries during hard lockdowns to use facial recognition and, you know, you know, catch people walking around the streets going about their business. So, you know, it is very clear that these things are like incredible technology, but hooly dooly, this one's going to be, um, you know, very much a case of who's holding the joystick. I wonder why the project manager on some of these jobs doesn't go, should we just put a big floppy dog head on it? Um, or should we just put the goggle eyes on the drones? Like surely like a bit of $5, $2 shop kind of... Material I mean, 
these I've seen with, a horse head. Yep, I've seen a toy horse head on one of them once. So you know there was that too. So, hmm. I mean, humanizing the death machines—that is absolutely that's the direction. Oh, predictable as <laughs> gravity. Um, <laughs> so speaking of timeline cleansers, um, head on over to Gizmo Gizmodo Australia's website for the 15 winning photos from the 2021 Close Up Photographer of the Year competition. This is actually really cool, and the vibe of this competition was all about slowing down and viewing the world through a more discerning lens. So everything from, you know, microscopic ice cracks to octopus, um, octopuses, octopi, very cute rats to microscopic algae, it's all worth a look. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely worth heading over to the Gizmodo Australia website and checking it all out. So we are going to wind up the show tonight. We wanted to thank, um, thank our awesome, awesome guests tonight, um, Ling and Corey Marie, um, and thanks to our hosts, Paul and Warren, myself, Rowena, and Talks producer, Elizabeth McCarthy. We have been bite into it. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.